well, people think I made it up. People think it's like a writing name. Right. And then some people tell me I should change it because no one would ever buy a book written by a guy like that. <laughs> and then I have some people like, I want to join the Illuminati. Like I get an email or a DM a week about people wanting to join the Illuminati. Oh my gosh. I had to change my phone number once because someone called my house looking for it's it's it got, it's a both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I'm sure. Are you the guy with that Jesus toast? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Would they be like, are you the Illuminati? It's like, yes, and I also work part-time at a bakery. My daddy wants you to know a lot of the episodes have mostly clean language, but this episode has some words in it that aren't meant for all ages. So, if you have kids like me in your house, you may want to put some headphones on for this one. You've been warned. Done, done, done. Juvadin, which is hello in Nepali. Hello and welcome to the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the creator and the host of Daddy Unscripted. I'm very happy to have you all here. Welcome, very big welcome to any new listeners to the podcast. I hope that you enjoy your first trip around. Come in, look around, see what's here and uh, smell the smells. There hopefully aren't any smells because if there are... They are from, I'm sorry to say, and I'm not judging you, but they are from where you are because podcasts don't smell yet. Um, I'm sure somebody's working on that, but uh, any smells are your own, okay? And embrace them as I would my own. But I hope that you have a great time with this podcast, with this episode today with Chris Illuminati. Uh, and why did I welcome you in Nepali? I will tell you that every episode, aside from gifting you with these conversations with another dad and their life experiences and those things that obviously we are all going to get from these episodes, I also try to give you one little extra nugget of being able to say hello or welcome as well as goodbye in another language from another country. So today it just happened to be Nepali for no really good or bad reason. So before we get to the episode, I will drop a little bit of business on you, which is to remind you that Daddy Unscripted is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. And the Osiris Podcast Network is also partnered with Jambase now, Jambase connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. So you should check out jambase.com. But here's somebody from another one of the Osiris podcasts telling them a little bit about their own show. Osiris. I'm Sean. And I'm Brad. And together we cast a pod known as Which Which is is Better? Better. You guys ever wonder which is better? Well, wonder no more. Join us as we tackle the topics. We seek understanding. And we settle the debate on all the subjects you care about. DC versus Marvel. Prince versus Michael Jackson. Liberals versus conservatives. King Kong versus Godzilla. Bruce Lee versus Jackie Chan. Science versus religion. And many more. That's us. Which Which is better? Which is better? 
All right, and now we are ready to dig in to this podcast episode of Daddy Unscripted with Chris Illuminati. We are here today joined with Chris Illuminati. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, And we'll get into the struggles of making that happen between two dads who have normal lives and all of that. I think this is kind of becoming a normal theme. I have a lot of people, a handful of people, I should say, that it ends up being a few months in the making, and that's it is what it is. Like I just kind of understand now. So, I think it was about, about two months, right? Maybe. Yeah, you didn't go. You, I have had people who have literally gone uh, over a year. So oh. you you didn't break the record. Oh, I'm, I, I'm that, sorry. That's a record, I'm not trying to break. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I don't want people to go for that. Yeah. So Chris, you can find. Uh, we'll give all of his stuff at the end as well, but Chris Illuminati on Twitter and message message with a bottle. Yes. Message with a bottle on Instagram. Yeah. And can they go to, you have a site that kind of combines everything or if they go there, basically uh, they're if, able to find everything. If you go to crystalmonty.com, that's got most of my stuff. A message with a bottle.com has a lot of my stuff. Or if you literally just Google my name, something will pop up. And it- something absolutely will pop up with your name. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Not, no relation to the secret society. It'll be something of my work. Yeah. And then something about Jay-Z and, and Nas and uh, <laughs> other rappers associated with the Illuminati. They have nothing to do with me. Only, only to be made better if your full name was Christian. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only imagine what would come up if you God. Googled it. I'm sure your parents must have considered that at some point. You know, I, probably not because at that time there was no Googling or even like oh, true. looking for things. You know, in 19, I was born in 1977. So in 1977, I guess their biggest concern was what won't rhyme so this kid won't get beat yeah. up out of him. So you won't get beat up in school. Right. Yeah. What doesn't? Because my original name was supposed to be Nicholas. and um. When I was born, like my dad said to my mom, I don't think he looks like a Nicholas because I mm-hmm. have light hair and light eyes. I don't know how you can make that snap segment <laughs> on a day-year-old baby. But we decided that Christopher was the better way to go. At some point, somebody's going to make a book that has like a flip chart and it's color of eyes, color of hair, maybe even color of skin. And you're flipping the book and like finding what names you cannot use. Yeah. Or one of those flow charts. Like yeah, exactly. Your baby white. And then you go left. And just one of those. Okay. We've all decided on there's going to be 8 billion JoJo's walking around. Right. Well, <laughs> like of our generation. Well, I was born in 72, but the Jennifer's and Stephanie's were definitely coming out of the if you have a Caucasian baby who has blonde hair, mm-hmm. you're going with Jennifer or Stephanie, pretty much, or Heather. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, too, as, as we said before, like, with the Googling of the name, you just, I mean, unless you went to a store and bought a baby book, or you came across someone with an original name, there really only was, like, you know, the names you heard. Yeah. Like, people didn't make up names, or didn't go with, very rarely 
do people go with famous names? Although I do know some people with famous names. Yeah. Yeah. I think actresses. The, the first people tiptoeing into it were the ones who started using like a Y instead of an I or something like that. That was so outlandish and crazy. And then things just kind of started flooding from there. And now it could be anything like now every name is spelled an odd way. So. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you try to avoid it. Like my daughter, uh, my daughter's name is Lila and we spell it L Y L A and people look at it and go, Layla. Ugh. I don't know how. And we, we thought like we kind of made it like not easy. <laughs> yeah. We thought we kind of helped her out, but now there's constantly people. They're like Layla. No. Uh. Lila, there's no A in there. I don't know where you see that. <laughs> My daughter's name is Delilah, which is spelled oh. like all of the Delilah things anywhere. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if anybody's had any, if sh- if she gets any issues from that or anything. I'll have to mm-hmm. ask her if people jack her name up. Probably. I think it's just people are just, I think now people are, they assume it's not right right way and they kind of make it harder than it really is yeah yeah like my name is that time yeah is scam here (laughs) yeah yeah is it an acronym is it t-i-m i don't know so anyways uh you can find all of these things and his name is his real last name if you didn't pick up on what we were just kind of throwing out at you um so chris illuminati so Chris, I um, am. I will throw out a big thanks to Jessica and Jose, who made this all happen from the get go. Jose, who's been on the podcast before, and you are friends with as well. Yeah, we go way back. We used to work together. Ah, that's cool. So let's go back into kind of your history before we dig in more to where you are at today. And uh, like I always say, wherever that makes sense and brings about the most interesting line to you well i guess the most interesting part to start with would be my dad's father because the illuminati name so um he came over from italy and amazingly they did not screw up the spelling of his name when he came over on ellis island Hmm. Uh, so it did come over correctly with him uh there are other illuminatis around i don't know if they're related but they spell it differently and i believe it's because like they'll put an e on the end and I think it's just because it got messed up, you know, in immigration. Mm-hmm. So um, my my grandfather and grandmother came over. They ended up moving to Trenton, New Jersey. My grandfather started, he had a poultry market. And then from the poultry market, uh, moved over and went into a business with his cousin. They owned a bar. And um, he eventually bought out his cousin, owned it just himself and brought in my father and my uncle, um, my, my dad's brother. Uh, the interesting thing about that side of my family. Um, so my dad had two older brothers. His older brothers were 21 and 19 years older than him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now you have to think about it. So my grandmother was, I believe she was like in her early forties when she had my dad, which is a huge concern now in 2019, this was 1943. So a woman in her early forties having a baby in 1943, oh my gosh. a big serious possibility of problems there. 
Yeah. But, you know, she turned out okay. The baby was okay. And um, my uncle, the middle uncle, the one that's 19 years older, ended up kind of being almost like a father figure to my dad because my grandfather was always out working at the bar and my grandmother was home with my dad. So the 19 year old brother was always around. So he came, ended up being like my dad's dad. And um, people always used to mistake my uncle for my grandfather because there were so mm. many years. I never met my dad's father. He passed away before I was born. And so did my dad's mother. So I never met those, uh, those grandparents. Oh. But I did have my two uncles who were much older and were almost like two grandfathers. So kind of a win-lose situation. Kind yeah, of. yeah. So that part was good. And then they all worked the bar in at the bar together. All all of them. Uh, it was my but when my grandfather passed away, it was my uncle and my dad. Okay. Yeah. And they were staying there. I mean, were they in New York or? No, they moved to Trenton. They all the bar was in Trenton, New Jersey. Oh, okay. They, they all moved to Trenton, and then my dad, my dad was born in Trenton, and uh, he never never really left. I mean, he kind of stayed in this five mile radius of where he grew up. Interesting. So he is basically a kid of the fifties, sort of, I guess is what he would. Yeah. So he was born in 43. So yeah. So he came up during the fifties, how that affected him. You know, that's a good question. Uh, especially with such, like, I know, uh, my uncle was like a big influence on him, but if you think about it, my uncle was like a kid of the thirties. Right. Right. So it was like, a weird kind of, you know, when you get that, that raising of the father, you know, so my dad, let's see, my dad was 30 when he had me. So my dad, I learned about the fifties and sixties from him. And there was like a long enough gap between that. But Mm -hmm. like, like my dad's or his brother was teaching him things from like just maybe 15 years earlier. So that it's kind of like a weird, weird gaps. Yeah. Kind of weird gap there. So yeah. that makes my family much older. So I learned about a lot of stuff that were like much older to my generation. Whereas like kids, my age were like learning about Zeppelin from their dad. And I was like, mm-hmm. the Count Basie Frank Sinatra album. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of similar. I mean, my dad was uh, born in 29. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he listened to a lot of that kind of old jazz and old stuff like that. So that was a lot of, my influence that I got directly from him as well. Right. And you start to get an appreciation for that kind of stuff because you wouldn't have learned about it any other way. I mean, you might kind of in passing find out about it, but like, yeah, it was always playing in the house. Like they always had Sinatra on like weekends and stuff. So that kind of, uh, and my uncle who would, um, he would take care of me like once a week, you know, like each relative kind of like hung out with me in the summer because I was an old, I'm an only child. Okay. But that kind of like plays a role in everything. So like I never went to summer camps or anything like that. So I would stay at my grandmother's house, my mother's mother and father. So one day I would stay, hang out with my uncle. One day I would hang out with my aunt. One day, you know, I I was with a different relative every day and they were all Hmm. much older than me. So I kind of had all those influences. That's pretty cool. And, and thinking about his, your dad's childhood, I mean, that seems like cliche movie kind of thing like 50s new jersey yes it is very (laughs) it's kind of like imagine bronx tale but like probably not as new yorkish but close Mm -hmm. but it was where everyone who left new york went to (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, the joke I make of where we live is we pay all the New York prices without being in New York. Technically. <laughs> you know, that's how expensive it is around here. Mm-hmm. We're we're a close train ride. We have to pay because it's a train ride. Right. So that's what we get. So then you are spending your. I mean, you're basically a kid of the '80s yeah. in New Jersey. Yes. Which is also mm-hmm. falling into another fantastic. Oh, what easy, a time. easy visual. <laughs> yeah, it's um. You know, I'm. I, I've never left New Jersey. I um. You know, I'm 42. I've lived here my entire life, except for like a two year stint when I went to a Pennsylvania college. Mm-hmm. And I rag on it a lot. And people who are here like it. And I get what they like. And I feel like I rag on it because I've been here so long. But if anybody else rags on it who's not from here, I take offense to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my wife used to love watching New Jersey stuff, mm-hmm. like the the typical unfortunate shows that come out of your area mm-hmm. like jersey shore mm-hmm. and the uh housewives of jersey and she loves their accents and all that stuff and so her uh, jersey is one of the places that she always kind of lights up about and also the uh quote from just friends mm-hmm. uh where he says the guy is jersey he skis in his jeans and that's <laughs> like one of one of her very frequent descriptions if she hears New Jersey at all is always, oh, they ski in their jeans. <laughs> She's close. A lot of people do. And they've gotten better with it. They don't have <laughs> many people. But so people used to get offended. New Jersey people used to get offended by all those because they, they'd go, oh, yeah, that's well, that's not what all of Jersey is like. Mm-hmm. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's mo- it's it's 77% of Jersey <laughs> is like that. And the rest is just farm. Yeah. Actually, that was the only, I've only been to New Jersey once, and it was, um, I was with Jessica out there shooting a uh, concert festival, Mm -hmm. and we were basically out in Atlantic City. Okay. So, didn't really get to see much. Yeah, so that part of New Jersey is more, it's more influenced by Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. A lot of Philadelphia people go to beaches in that area in Atlantic City. Uh, It does have some North Jersey and New York influence, but that's more of a Philadelphia type. The thing about New Jersey is like you split it in half and half of it is influenced by Pennsylvania and the other half is influenced by New York. So kind of have this weird like allegiance to sports teams and like the Mm -hmm. talk and the accents we have. Like the, the New Jersey accent is either a melding of some type of Philly accent or a melding of some type of New York accent. Mm-hmm. Just this weird thing. And actually, so the the biggest radio station here, I don't even know if this is still their slogan, but their slogan when I was growing up for like 25 years was not New York, not Philadelphia, practically <laughs> New Jersey. It's like, we are not that place. And we are not that place. We are this place. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. California kind of is the same way. We definitely have a a stigma to the state. And I think, unfortunately, for NorCal people, they probably get wrapped into the Southern California categories. But yeah, I live right in the smack dab Surferville. So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever anybody thinks of Surfer California's kind of like Sean Penn from Fast Times, mm-hmm. like that was... A lot of the people that I knew kind of similar to that when I was growing up. Oh, Mr. Hand. <laughs> yeah. 
It's one of my, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and that was, I mean, so I'm a little bit older than you, but um, those were the kind of movies because I had seven older siblings. Wow. And they would they didn't really protect me from rated R films or anything like that. So I, I remember going and seeing somehow seeing fast time in the theater at whatever year that was released at whatever age I was that I should not have been seeing that. And I want to say many 81, 82 ish might've been now I'm going to have to friggin' Google it. Because I want to say 82. I'm going to go with 82 because I think I'm right. I, I feel like you might be if I really thought about the math of it. So, oh, I couldn't have been 10. Um, my guess is 84. Okay. So we'll see which one of us. Okay. Uh, fast times. You're right. Yeah. 82. Holy crap. So, yeah. So I was seeing that movie when I was 10. <laughs> now, okay, I, so my son's nine. And I'm thinking to myself, would I show him fast times? at Oh, my God. I mean, just for the just for the pool scene alone, I would not. I mean, anything dugout pool like we can just name different spots. I forgot about the dugout. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, that's good that you said you wouldn't because that would have really, especially on this podcast, a lot of people would be judging you. Again, now, so I'm doing that as a father. You probably went with your siblings. Right. I wasn't, my dad was absolutely, I mean, we saw when I was a kid, we went on a trip to Hawaii and Flashdance was one of the movies that was on. And, and this is back in the day when people were smoking in planes still. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think they edited movies yet on planes. And so I remember my dad sitting next to me with his hand up, ready to cover my eyes at any time. Oh, he already knew. And, I mean, it was because, you know, you weren't choosing a movie. I think it was showing up on the front on a big screen. And so everybody is watching Flashdance, which is just hilarious, like thinking of all the kids that are on a plane. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad definitely uh, my dad. My dad was a pastor also. So we were not, you know, whereas the parenting I'm getting from my parents as opposed to um, like my older siblings who uh, when my parents would go away on vacation are like some of them are renting porn <laughs> and bringing it home. And I'm like sneaking into a room to see a snippet of it or whatever is very, very different wow. parenting from my older siblings and my parents. Wow. Yeah. That's but. I mean, I, I would think that like that kind of influenced you in certain ways that probably are kind of good, you know, I see the good and bad in everything. Mostly I see yeah. the good and stuff. So maybe there was something to us seeing fast times that, you know, maybe it just kind of like it, it got rid of the mystery. So we weren't all like, Oh God, what, what is that? Like mm-hmm. woman look like, what is, you know, and it kind of like removed all that. So, you know, I, it's funny you bring that up because so I can give an example of that. So my dad owned the bar and he, you know, he worked there every day and I would often find myself there, you know, like my mom would drop me off and he would take me places. And then I eventually worked there when I was like from like 12 to about 17. So being around a bar and being around all those people, especially like I would be there in the middle of the day and seeing all the people. Drinking, oh gosh. It, I, I would see all these people drinking and it actually influenced 
it, it didn't make me want to drink. It actually made mm-hmm. me not want to drink. Because I'm sure see these guys drunk in the middle of the day and it, it got rid of all the like romanticism about drinking. Yeah. And I would see this dude that like my dad would have to bring home who was like half drunk at like two in the afternoon and had to tell his wife that he blew oh, up his checks. And so you, I would be like, this does not look like a fun life. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if this is what I want to do. So it being exposed to it at that young of an age, it kind of took that like, you know, the, the the romance of it, like I said, in the uh, like I gotta do that, where I'm just like, mm-hmm. I've seen what that does, like I don't need to do that. Yeah, seeing it from much older people doing it that mm-hmm. are not showing a glamorous look of it yeah. is definitely like different from my experience of having my you know my parents being gone and one of my older brothers throwing a two keg party at our house and seeing all these high schoolers that are having the most amazing time and me basically joining them drinking when I'm in sixth grade, pretty much. So a little bit different. Did you drink? Oh God. Yeah. I like, I would drink down there and they, they, the high schoolers thought it was like the funniest, oh, of course, yeah, coolest thing. Like this, I don't know whatever age I was in sixth grade, Let's do the math on that really quick. So I graduated at 17. So I was um, 11. Mm -hmm. So I'm drinking beer and playing beer drinking games with them at 11 years old. And they thought it was hilarious. And so, yeah, I, I had a completely different, very skewed childhood because of my older siblings. Basically, I tell some of these stories to my mom now who is going to be turning 87 this year and she's like please don't tell me these things <laughs> uh, then she say, well it's a different time <laughs> yeah well she's yeah she's more like i just don't i don't want to hear anything negative about your childhood and she takes it very to heart like they shouldn't have gone on vacation and and left my older siblings with me the point of that was that they trusted your older siblings yeah, like you got who failed. Yeah, well, yeah, but you, you got to trust your kids, <laughs> and if you don't trust your kids, like on the flip side, my parents never went anywhere. Yeah, ever, which but, was a bummer for them, right? Unless I went with them. Well, no, see, they waited ten years to have me, and they always used to say that they oh. they had their fun. Yeah, 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 me, which is a really backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> we had fun before you got here. We had so much fun, and then you came along. <laughs> yeah, and then we had to go. <laughs> As well as like, if you were to really dig into that, and I hope I'm not saying something that you're going to get off of this and think, oh, he's right. But, probably already like the fact that they didn't have another kid after you too. You know, I always asked about that and they're just <laughs> like, oh, I just won. And that was enough. And I'm like, you know, being the only child never bothered me until I had kids. Mm-hmm. Then it bothered me because I, I see the dynamic between my son and daughter. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? It probably would have been cool to have somebody around. And how old are your kids? Uh, My son is nine and my daughter is six. Okay. So uh, yeah, my daughter is 10 and my son is six. So I have kind of the same thing. And we, we have thought at many times, I mean, we don't sit and think about this every day, but because of the torture that our six-year-old puts our 10-year-old through, (laughs) We've constantly been like, oh, she. How different would she have been if she was an old, if we had just stopped? Like we wanted her to have a companion so badly, right. 
and we just ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I know we thought about that too. And then I think to myself, well, that seems really like, it's like, we want, we had this one and then we're like, we want a companion for that person. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to have the second one. You just want someone for the first one to play with. <laughs> so yeah, it's like to keep busy and out of your hair. Yeah. The second one is just almost like buying another Lego set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and thinking about that, like was your, your former wife was how many siblings did she have? Yeah, an older brother. Okay. So it was you with, so you guys basically, I'm assuming you had conversations of you were an only child. What was that like? And you had yeah. one sibling. What was that like? So she won. We essentially replicated her family. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to the, even to the part of like divorce and stuff. Oh gosh. Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't like, okay, now this is the part where we get divorced. Right, right. If we're really going to nail this, mm-hmm. we've got we've got to take it all the way. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and we can't we can't half ass this. Yeah, but I, we really have like kind of mirrored it. Like, so she her parents divorced. Um, she was two, and her brother was five. My kids were like mm. my kids were eight and eight and five when we separated. Uh, mm-hmm. Her dad and her mom remained friendly. My ex and I are still friendly. In fact, we still like do things with the kids. That's good. Yeah. So, um, actually, people think we're weird for it. Oh yeah, that's totally not the norm, but it's great for the kids. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the kids. But every r- relationship I've been in, they think that like either I'm going to get when they're not like my yeah uh, yeah with someone. My ex has been dating someone for like over a year. And I, you know, we're just, we're just friends. Like the way I explain it is like, um, we are business partners and our business is raising two kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's pretty much where it ends. And we're kind of, we're friendly, you know, but we're not like, you know, we don't hang out without the kids. You know what I mean? We're not yeah, yeah. that way, but it's really hard to explain to like a new relationship because, you know, people naturally get jealous and, you know. Right. Think something's up when it's not, even though you explained it a thousand times. It's because people have watched way too many of like Maid of Honor or whatever movie it is where people get back together yeah. and they think that that's going to happen to everybody. Yeah. I'm like, it's not going to, I'm like, first of all, we wouldn't have gone through all this if there was a, yeah. Like, this is a really, we've gone through a lot of like, there's so much, you know, the separating of things and the divorce and the expense of the divorce. It's like, this is going to stick, trust me. But yeah, that that's they they do think, and you know, a lot of people the the people I'm dating now come from other relationships that have gone wrong mm. in whatever certain way, so they bring that into this relationship, which I get. But yeah. Anyway, that's a podcast all itself. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we kind of replicated to her family, and um, and uh, we have the same number of kids and that's funny i i totally understand that i have an Mm ex-wife that uh we did not have kids Mm -hmm. uh we we were not married very long and it was not a very smart decision to make when we got married Mm and um it was kind of funny because on our not funny but yes i think it's funny (laughs) um that on our wedding day we either called or texted each other and we had this conversation of like, 
is this the right thing? Should we be doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And kind of at some point in the conversation, we just kind of convinced ourselves that we were just having cold feet and uh, that it was the totally normal thing for us to be doing and thinking these things and to be afraid. And yeah, it was a horrible marriage. And I think we were separated within like a year and a half or so. And when we were going through the divorce and even when we were divorced, like the stigma of that in the world of trying to date again mm -hmm. uh, was quite the hurdle. It is. It, the only thing that makes people feel better is when you say divorced. That's right. like a legal thing. Separated is just that like it, it makes them think like at any moment I could move. Oh, yeah. But the, the legally divorced, that makes it a little bit like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think for for me, it was a lot of the uh, preconception that I must have done something wrong. Right. In order for this marriage to not work or for my previous marriage to not work. Mm -hmm. And so what's wrong with this guy? Right. So that's, uh, I don't know. See, that's, that is another podcast. But. Now, on the flip side of that, my parents have been married 52 years. Wow. So. Congrats to them. Uh, I won't say happily. <laughs> why, why do you think my dad's outside detailing the car instead of <laughs> instead of hanging out with his wife, yeah, who he sees all the time? Yeah, fifty-two years. So, but fifty-two years—that's remarkable. Yes, amazing. So you graduate high school. You go to. Did you go straight from there to the college in Pennsylvania? Yeah. So uh, I went to college for two years in Pennsylvania and then I transferred back to New Jersey to the college that is literally it was literally like two miles from my house wow and then so I went to high school college and now live all on the same road oh that's amazing yeah. not amazing in a good way though <laughs> well it's okay I yeah mean, I, I mean I live now like a 10 10 to 20 minute drive from where I grew up mm -hmm. and you know I've been many other places, but mm. if if you like where you are, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I just, I don't know, like, I've, I've always wanted to, and then, like, something always made me stick to where I am. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you stick to where you are, now I have kids, and I can't go anywhere, because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. So now I'm really stuck here. So I've got until they're at least 18. And then they can move to college and then they can come visit me wherever the hell I am. <laughs> they can come visit your Alaska. Home. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> I'd probably, or I just do this thing where I just like rent really small here and then just travel everywhere. So when did you meet your ex-wife? Uh, 11, well, let's say 12 years ago now. Uh, we both worked in the same building for different companies. Mm. And uh, we actually, uh, so I went to high school with her brother. She was a freshman when I was a senior. And we were going to the same gym, and we went to the same high school, and then we worked in the same building. And all of those things wrapped up together. Like, we bumped into each other so many places that we just eventually introduced ourselves. And then you guys were together for how long before you got married? Uh, we were together for about two years. Okay. So you've been divorce now for i'm doing very quick math two years yeah we we separated in september of 2017 so it's like almost two years now and how aside from the fact that you guys have like 
stayed friendly and all that kind of stuff. How, how was that process with your kids? Uh, you know what they didn't take, they, you know, it wasn't great at first because they're like, where's dad going? I feel like a lot of it is, um, it's the fear of the unknown. Like, so when I said I was like going to be leaving and we were separating and stuff, like I did not really have a place yet. You know, kids don't understand what a new place is going to look like or where dad's going to go. Like to them, I'm leaving and I'm going to be a million miles away and they're never going to see me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it took a little bit of transitioning, but they got much better with it, especially when they saw where I am. And now they're, I mean, none of us are quote unquote fine, (laughs) but they've adjusted to it well and they get it. And they, um, they, all their teachers tell us like, you know, that they speak highly of us. And when it's my weekend, they'll say, Oh, I did this with my daddy this weekend, or I did this with my mommy this weekend, or the, you know, we, they went and did this together. So we've tried to like kind of keep it as normal as possible for them while not being normal. Mm -hmm. So they get it. Luckily, uh, you know, some other friends have parents who are separated or have weird living circumstances. So, you know, kids don't understand what the quote unquote right circumstance should be. So kind yeah. of like wing it and go with whatever is going on in their life. So they came out of it pretty good. That's good. Yeah, we uh, God, I think it was probably four years ago, somewhere around there. And my wife and I had a really rough patch where we were actually like talking about separation and all of that. And uh, it was a lot more on me really. And I was just uh, an idiot basically. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of talks and I think there was a time when she was saying something about the kids and saying like, we're a family, you know, how can you do this to, to, our family and the kids and just thinking about the kids really for me and my situation is completely different from yours and from everybody else's, but like what I was going through as my um, reason for even considering this was just kind of something that was able to be fixed Mm -hmm. and thinking about my kids and seeing like, I mean, my son was so young and, but my daughter who is really, really close with me and seeing, you know, even if I would be gone for like a couple of days or something like that and seeing the effect it had on her, I was like, how, what am I doing? Like, how, how can I possibly like do this to them? And that was the thing that really made me decide, like, I have to figure out how to do this. Like, whatever this is that I'm going through that is making me even consider this for like my, you know, my daughter is, she's a lot higher functioning now than she was then, but she's autistic. And just thinking about tacking that on to her struggles at that time, like having to deal with me not being there was just like, okay, this, this cannot happen. And I'm going to have to figure out whatever I need to do between us adults to make this possible for my kids. And so I, I just can't even imagine like all of the, all of the work that I did in that small amount of time and those conversations that, that other parents have to go through and think about what is going to work for them and for their kids and for one another is just, it's immense. So 
in a roundabout way that feels like I'm not hitting that mark, but uh, like I have tremendous respect for both of you for doing what you are doing and for finding a way in something that was not able to work between the two of you to put the work in that you are, even though you have, like, it seems like maybe it's a little bit easier for you because you are friends and friendly, Mm -hmm. but doing that for the kids is like tremendous. So I hope you're getting that that conversation. We, we, we agree that we were going to separate, but we agreed that we're going to do it. What was best for the kids, but we knew that staying together wasn't going to be the best us or the kids yeah because you know you never really make i mean you think you make the right decision you don't know if you're making the right decision because you don't know what the other side would have been if you stayed or whatever you did so in this situation we feel like we made the right decision yeah you're you're judging you're you're doing it for two other people that you don't even know what it's gonna but you know and we thought about it this way too like there's no saying that if we would just stay together that they would raise up and be the perfect kids Right. So you don't really know. So maybe we're giving them the we're giving them a better shot by doing it this way. And being those parents who are not like this was a thing I was talking to. I learned a lot from other people my age who are in some form of a broken home, whether it's their own or them as kids whose parents divorced or who didn't divorce and stuck it out and like had a lie of a relationship that they knew, you know, as young, not even teens that they were feeling and sensing and feeding off of. We know that this is not working between our parents and what that meant to their psyche as young children or as teenagers. And that was kind of one of the big things that I really thought about as well. So making that decision and being a whole person that can better love your child outside of a broken relationship, I think is something to absolutely like think about as well. Nothing's ever easy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all human shit, you know, like it's relationships and trying to make things work and they don't always work out. Yeah. That's a bummer. We should go back to talking about, uh, boobs at Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. To, I definitely brought this to a... I didn't expect it. And that's why it's called Daddy Unscripted, Chris. It's... I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but again, like, I really do mean that in a in a way of, like, positivity and commending you because it, Thank you. it is a tough decision that you have to make. But clearly, like, from what it sounds like, you guys made the right decision and are giving them a better version of both of you. Yeah. We're definitely both happier, which then leads to us being happier with the kids and being better with the kids. Yeah. Uh, That was our main goal, like to make sure that we were happy so that the kids were happy. Yeah. And they, you know, that may, like you said, who knows what the road would have been like otherwise or whatever, but you know, that may be a conversation that you're having with them. 20 years down the road. Oh, I'm sure they'll ask. <laughs> yeah. They'll figure it out eventually. Well, but also them saying, you know, coming back and saying we had friends who were in the other version of that road mm-hmm. than the one that you and mom took. And thank you for doing that or whatever. Right. Yeah. And they were young enough that 
maybe it didn't like scar them because you know the kids that are like in their teens when it happens and then like yeah so only time will tell right or or the ones in their friggin like that's some of the people that i talked to that are in their 20s or 30s when their parents finally said like we've been living a lie for 20 years and we can't take it anymore and they're like what in the world or why did you wait this long or whatever it may be so when i when i leave this podcast should i go out to my parents and be like so you guys gonna get divorced or what like just (laughs) (laughs) dad you've been detailing my car for five hours now now. you're hiding in the trunk i'm not taking you home (laughs) stay here just do (laughs) (laughs) no please don't do that i won't I don't need that on my on my shoulder. That's why I try not to come here for dinner very often. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh yeah, so let's get into some of your stuff that you do. So what led you to do the message with a bottle and all of the writing that you do, the books and everything? Um so the message with a bottle started because I used to write notes to myself about all the work that I had to do. And then one day my ex was leaving for the first time and leaving me alone with the baby. And I was like jokingly taking notes of what I had to do. And I just wrote down like feed baby, change baby, don't let baby die, blah, blah, blah. And I was like joking (laughs) around and I took it and I stuck it onto a board with all the other like real serious things I had to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that it was there for like a couple weeks. And then I went looking for something and it was there and it just made me laugh. And I was like, what if I wrote just like dumb advice to myself? <laughs> no, it's mm-hmm. stuck them around places. And I would just take them and take a picture and put them on Tumblr. And um, it just one thing led to another and people really picked up on it. And now I'm like, I'm coming up on like note number 600. I've done two calendars now, a um, bunch of fans on Instagram and stuff. So it's really, and I've been doing it now for nine years. Wow. Yeah. So it, it took on a life of its own as like, as a joke. It's become this. Yeah. You should have like a Dunder Mifflin sponsorship or something by this time. Yeah. You know, people always ask me about that kind of stuff. Like, they're like, just post it like uh, a sponsor. Nobody mm-hmm. sponsors me. I, I sponsor me. I pay for all my I pay full price. Yes. I, I try to get the cheapest <laughs> notes that stick and stuff. You know. But yeah. So, I, but you know what? It's been fun. It's been amazing. I met a lot of great people. One of my favorite compliments that I'll get and I'll get these like either in comments or in DMs and stuff. People, parents will send me a note saying like I was having a really shit day and then I read one of your notes and I started laughing and I just want to thank you for the laugh. And that makes it all better. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to keep doing it. That if I, if I could just give somebody a laugh because I know how hard it is because I was a stay-at-home dad and I know Right. It feels like you're alone on an island and the only other person on the island just can't stop shitting themselves. And <laughs> it's, it's weird. And you're like, okay, someone else gets it. And I think one of the reasons that they've been so popular is because all of the things I talk about are pretty much universal. Like every kid does these things. Every parent feels this way. Every So it's yeah. kind of like I've touched a nerve with, oh, yeah, I did that. I had that. Like the one of the biggest ones now. And I didn't know it was going to get the reaction. I thought I was going to get a negative reaction, but it got a really positive reaction was uh, like a week or two ago. I did the one about how creepy it is that kids sit on some bunny's lap. <laughs> Stop it. And everyone's like, yeah, it's crazy. Why do we do that? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, that got a really good response because people were like, oh, I thought it was just me. I thought only I thought the bunny was weird. And I'm like, when, why are we doing it? Why? Why is there a bunny at a mall? Yeah. 
That's funny. I used to actually be the Easter bunny in a local mall. Oh, man. I was uh, 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I did Santa, actually. And then I did the Easter bunny. And I only did it one mm-hmm. season each. And it was awful. A nightmare. I can imagine. A total nightmare. But yeah, so then you, did you, where in the lay of all of that did the books come through and all of that? Well, the two astrology books, they came, um, they were before I was a parent. They were like, uh, like around 2010. Uh, the publisher reached out because they had a book idea and they had a couple writers and they just wanted to change up the manuscript. So they reached out to me because they liked some of my work online and I ended up I was supposed to ghostwrite the first one, but I wrote so much that they put my name on the cover. And then when they published number mm. two, they let me do it solo. And then the New Dad Dictionary came about, that was in 2015. So I was already doing the notes for um, five years. Mm. And uh, the, all that is, is so it's like I take the dictionary term, uh, a parenting term, and then I like say wise ass stuff about it. <laughs> I make dictionary terms um, funny and interesting. About pregnancy and about raising kids and stuff. It's interesting that nobody's done that with the, uh, or maybe I just haven't seen it, but, or nobody's done it popularly enough, but if that's a word, uh, what to expect when you're expecting? Um, I think there is a satire one on that. Not quite okay. sure. I feel it's like what to, ex- or maybe it's like what to expect when she's expecting. I, I think, uh, okay. or there, there is like, I, I've seen one parody thing, a bo- it might be a book. I was trying to give you a new I'm idea. I'm fine. Sorry. I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm. Gonna, I don't know where I'm going to go from this. Like I keep thinking about stuff, and I'm like, well, why don't I just keep writing funny stuff on notes, and it'll all work out. <laughs> yeah. And then you did ghostwrite the joke book. Yes, that was a nightmare. Eighty thousand words of clean jokes. Oh gosh. Clean jokes. That's what makes it so hard. Yeah. Like they're nothing stereotypical. Nothing like you know. And I ended up doing like knock knock jokes and like it was it was insane. It was 80,000 words. It was a nightmare. And you're this is all like original material or. Well, no, no, I didn't write the jokes like I would find them online and I would them up a little bit or like reword them a little bit. So they're all like jokes that were written by other people. Yeah, yeah. Clean joke. But a lot of them are like very old like they'll be like a blonde walks into it you know like yeah yeah they're the the typical jokes you would hear that get passed around a million times but we trying to like clean them up oh boy yeah that that was that does kind of sound like a nightmare the things we do for money (laughs) yeah uh so what's the most recent thing that you I, i mean is there anything that you have um kind of in the pipeline or in somewhere in the reaches of your brain space or you know, I'm, you just kinda... I'm really concentrating on the notes. So I'm working on um, calendar number three. Calendar number two is in the books. Um, what what happens is, so the first time they approached me, they wanted me to do a calendar because there's 322 pages in the calendar. The weekends double up. Hmm. So they, when they approached me, I already had like 340 notes. So they're like, okay, year one is done. And they're like, all right, so year one gets published. Two months later, they're like, all right, let's start concentrating on year two. Now, mm-hmm. year one... I wrote 340 something notes in like six years. <laughs> now, right, yeah. Now I had to write 322 notes in like nine in months. a year. Yeah. And now I have to do another 300 and something notes in another year. Um, oh, gosh. Go pa- the contract was for three years. Am I going to go past this? I don't know. 
Um, oh, man. The good thing is, like, it forces you to sit down and write jokes or write things, observations, whatever. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes some make it in, you're like, well, I just need something. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I might have said this in a certain way, or I might have. So uh, I'm working on the third calendar. I feel like I have another book in me as far as I want to do something like first person talking about all of my experiences. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, every writer's got 7,000 ideas sitting on their desktop. So after that, right. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to ride the notes out for as long as people like them. <laughs> so forever, basically. Basically. <laughs> or yeah. until I just run out of material because my kids are too old to make fun of or can read. Oh boy. I, I, I would think like, you know, there's so much that is about the younger kids mm-hmm. and teenagers are still, there's still plenty of material in yeah. teenagers. Well, a lot of it's becoming like things my kids are saying and doing as right. me reacting to them. Like before it was just me making a joke about them, but now it's like conversations we have. Yeah. 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 They say, so that part's good about it. But then it gets in the whole thing. Like, do they even want to be, written about on the internet quoted yeah so we're gonna have to have that talk eventually so there's a lot there's a lot we have to hammer out here (laughs) yeah i've got this book about all the things that you've been saying that are really stupid yeah (laughs) how do you feel about that (laughs) and i put your picture up a couple times (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's coming yeah i i have thought about that a lot of times and and where do you kind of fall with that on social media with their involvement, like privacy or or whatever it may be of your putting them out there? Well, they know what being online is. They know about that. I try not mm-hmm. to, I rarely do pictures. Like I'll sometimes do pictures, but it's not like I don't, I don't do the like where people just like put every story up about their kid and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm eventually going to lead it leave it up to them. And I always say like, do you, can I put this online? Can I put this on Instagram? And they'll go, okay, okay. I don't think they understand the ramifications of that. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually I'm going to sit down and go like a lot of people see this. Are you okay with a lot of people seeing this? And so I think as long as I make myself the joke on a lot of them, I'm okay. But like, yeah, of course I'm not showing them anything bad. Like I'm showing my daughter like baking or I'm showing like my son, you know, I've done videos with them where like, you know, they get it. They the good thing is they're the YouTube generation, so they understand what it means. Right. Online. Yeah. But they're not they don't understand the negativity of it yet. Yeah. I think I've talked to a few parents that are kind of in that boat and they it, that's the exact example they use because how much kids watch YouTube yeah. or a lot of them do, and they think that that is awesome that they're up on YouTube. Right. Yes. But they whatever comments are okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will make sure that everybody goes to Amazon.com and look up Chris Illuminati on there. Mm-hmm. You can find his books on there. Chris, thank you very much for uh, spending all this time on here. And um, again, sticking it out through months of planning. Well, thanks. I'd love to do it again. And uh, if I ever I've been I've been promising that I will do a podcast for the last, oh. I don't know, seven years. So when I am, you're going to be on the short list of my first guests. So uh, hopefully it won't take, it'll take me longer to launch the podcast than it will to have you on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can come on and we can talk about, um, all the, all the dirty things that your siblings. Like oh you gosh. Have. Yep. I've got plenty of stories <laughs> there. I want to know more of yeah. the movies that they took you to besides <laughs> um, times because that is awesome. Yeah, there's so much. 
All right. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Tim, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Okay. And that is the end of my conversation with Chris Illuminati. Again, you should absolutely check him out everywhere on social media. Go to message with a bottle on Instagram, Chris Illuminati on Twitter and check him out. Check out his various books that he has on Amazon and his calendars, everything. But make sure that you definitely let him know that you heard his episode here on Daddy Unscripted. Let me know that you heard his episode on Daddy Unscripted and let us know what you thought. But in that vein, I will remind you, you can find Daddy Unscripted on social media as Daddy Unscripted, believe it or not, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com and let me know what you think about these episodes, who you think I should have a a sit-down conversation with next. I love those uh, little thoughts that you guys have because they take my show into a completely different direction than maybe I ever would, and it helps expand our guest list, which helps expand your interest, etc., etc. It's just a snowball effect. So make sure that you send me those thoughts as well as you know maybe telling me a different language that you think I should feature that I haven't done yet whatever it may be so I appreciate all of that feedback that I get from you guys you should also check out daddyunscripted.com for each episode I put a little extra something into the episode there that isn't just in the show notes and some photos that the guests provide me etc so Thank you very much for being here. I again encourage you to check out OsirisPod.com and find all of the other podcasts that are a part of our fantastic network of music and culture podcasts. Also, make sure you check out Jambase.com for any live show information or info news on music and on bands and then i again as always thank you to umphreys mcgee for letting me have their music as part of the podcast i think it adds a little something special and it's always great to have something that i love as part of the podcast as well so you can check them out on umphreys.com and since i greeted you in nepali i will now Say goodbye to you in Nepali by saying Peri Batola. So goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. And now that you are here new, go check out some of those other episodes that you haven't heard. There's a lot of great guests on here, and we hope to keep the ball rolling fantastically through 2019. So thanks so much, you guys. Spread the word. <laughs> <laughs>